Hey everyone, I'm Connor. And I'm Jeff. And this is the Sad Boy Sessions, Emotional Identity in Christ. Our topic for today, or our emotion for today rather, is anxiety. All right, how about this? Do you feel like you felt anxiety more as a teenager or as a as an adult? Adult for sure. <laughs> and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. My teen years were gilded compared to adulthood. <laughs> what about you? adulthood so but if you're talking about like teenage as in like pre-college i would say i felt a lot of anxiety in college because there's just like so many assignments and exams and whatnot and doing engineering and it's like all right i'm getting not one but two degrees and there you go. overachiever over here guys and it's and I don't know. You're spending money to be there and you just, you know, you're like, all right, I got to do this well. But then at the same time, you're still trying to like figure out who you are as a person. So, and then you might want to like ask people out on dates. And, but I would say I, I feel it a lot more now as a nearly 30 year old adult, as opposed to when I was in high school, Cause high school, the anxiety was just like, well, that's what I'm saying is looking back on it, I'm like, what was I really anxious about in high school? It's my problems have gotten so much bigger as an adult. Yeah, like and, my and concerns are so much bigger as an adult that like I just I look back nostalgically and be like, Man, I wish the biggest thing I had to worry about was my next test grade. Yeah. And not like, Am I gonna have a job <laughs> in this economy? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. just like those kinds of things are just way different. Mulling over home ownership and down payments and mortgages and all that stuff. And, and what what kind of car am I going to get? Yeah, I mean, you definitely feel a lot more as an adult is the correct answer to the question. If you were more stressed out in high school, see a therapist. No, I'm but, just but also, good for you. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we want you on this podcast. We will do anxiety <laughs> part two. Ways. If we can get the, an enlightened individual who does not feel anxiety uh, to come join us. Yeah. So, well, I guess on that note, since 2022 started, have you felt anxiety manifest itself in your life? Uh, since 2022 started, I think, you know, interestingly, in the last couple of weeks, uh, for those of us that have been paying attention to the outside world, um, I, I get anxiety about world events a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so... As, as our anxiety about COVID has fallen away, mostly because COVID itself seems to have fallen away off of the national radar, honestly, just the events in Ukraine. Um, so for those that are not tuned in or if you're listening to this later and don't remember exactly what was going on at this point in time, but Russian military forces have been invading Ukraine uh, for, what, nigh on five days at this point? Yeah. So just... Yeah. Yeah, just like looking at, and you know, my background is political science, international relations. I was in school studying international relations when Crimea was taken, so that was like a big deal. But I think, you know, what it comes down to is just I feel pained for people that are just in like a totally what I would perceive to be as a needless situation in that conflict. Like it just doesn't, it didn't need to happen, shouldn't happen. And certainly this is not the only thing going on in the world right now. It's just the one that we're most tuned into. So, but what's interesting is we're talking about anxiety is like, for some reason over the last, you know, week and, and the anticipation also, which is a huge part of anxiety, the, the lead up to it, like, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? It's a half world away, but 
I realized it was like draining me, like just feeling anxious about it, like giving it like too much of my time, too much of my attention, too much of my emotional bandwidth, like, you know, trying to tune in and like feel for these people that are halfway across the world, which isn't a bad thing at all. It's just, it was really exhausting. It has been really exhausting to me to be tuned into it and to be kind of like, you know, watching videos and reports and people that are like sending stuff like into the internet of like, you know, Hey, this is what's happening on the ground. Watching a war on TikTok. Yeah. We're watching a war on a social media app that, you know, at the beginning of COVID was mostly people dancing, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I do think, yeah. So for me, 2022, that's been a big part of it. And another part of it is kind of TikTok itself represents this just like, I think just in enhanced media culture as like life has picked up its pace again, um, coming out of COVID, COVID brought with itself its own forms of anxieties. But like, I think I'm almost more anxious about day to day life as it gets ramped back up to kind of the breakneck speed that it used to be at. And so coming out of the lull that is COVID, I just feel anxious because of how much like expectation there is now to do stuff socially, do stuff at your work, do stuff, you know, now in marriage where it's like, okay, now I've got my calendar and my wife's calendar is a joint calendar. So like the amount of stuff we're both committed to. And I think just trying to like find space and find margin and find like places to unplug and slow down is becoming hard again. And I know about myself. Like I need that. I need that mental space. I need like just days off that I'm not doing anything planned, just unstructured free time. And yeah, I think my anxiety centers around the fact that I feel like that is dwindling away. And also like my addiction to (laughs) international affairs means that when I am finding space, I'm immediately looking up more information (laughs) on this, you know, historical event that's happening halfway across the world. So that's that's where my mind has been for you know the last three months. How about yours? Um, well, I feel like, and I might combine my answer of 2022 with like the past couple of years because it's kind of, it all blends in. Sure. But just the, mo- the more recent anxiety I feel is just ha- having to do with like work deadlines and projects and getting put on a project with like a week before it's due because they need help and then it's like just breakneck speed to try and do what I can to get something done and I guess I don't know like what how your work operates like do you have deadlines that you need to meet and like all right we're submitting this thing on this date and oh yeah which is funny because you think like oh this is over when I graduate college group projects and due dates and all that stuff. But it turns out it's not, it's just lives in perpetuity. Yeah. In our productivity driven culture, you know, people are always expecting it hundred percent done tomorrow. Yeah. And that is tough. I, you know, I would imagine, I think your work as an engineer is probably more demanding in that sense, but like mine definitely goes through strong ebbs and flows where this week and next week, I'm just going to be slammed. Like, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, if not longer. Like, there's there's definitely stuff that I could be working on right now for my job. But I think for my own sanity, like, I need to create as much space as I can mm-hmm. in, in the off hours. Even if it is like a, okay, I've got to get up early tomorrow to do it. Like, my brain was fried by like 5 p.m. today. Yeah. So, I officially became a licensed professional engineer like a, a week or two ago. 
Congratulations. Thank you. Now it's like, all right, you have all this responsibility because if I stamp drawings and I'm telling you, it is on me. It like prison time is on me. So that it's, I didn't realize it was such a high stakes. Yeah. Congratulations. You're a professional engineer. Hope you don't mess up. That bridge collapses. Oh no. Yeah. And so that brings like a whole level of anxiety that like I, I haven't experienced yet because I just got it. So I haven't been like the official like engineer. But clearly you've thought about what does this get me into? Yeah. And now I, I understand I'm like, cause I think about the, the older engineers that I work with and, and how they just, they're just constantly thinking about their projects. Cause it's like, yeah, you have to, cause your life's on the line if you don't, if you don't do it right. So I say, yeah. I have to say, I will say my job. Chosen. Yeah. My job has nothing that high stakes about it. I'm like, People can have a not great time, but I can guarantee no one should be dying if I don't do my yeah. job well. So I've been, that's been, of, of 2022, the primary anxiety is like, all right, now that I have this, what does this mean? And so that kind of answers like over the past year or so because I took those that test twice last year. But then just another thing, I'll just street sweep all the answers. <laughs> well, I'm just going. You're on a roll. Hey, hey, let's just... hey, this is our podcast. We exactly. We're not beholden to the, the audience's expectations. We're here to subvert those expectations. <laughs> I guess lifelong anxiety I've always dealt with is more of like a social anxiety. Uh, being that like I'm pretty introverted, which is odd coming from someone who has two podcasts <laughs> and working on a third. But something that causes me anxiety is being around people... I kind of know. I'd rather be around people I have I don't know at all. Okay. I'd rather be around strangers than acquaintances. Okay. Because it's like, why is that? Well, the answer is this. Well, I don't know if this is the answer. This is the answer I'm going to provide. I'm sure there's a deeper answer. If you're around strangers, you have no obligation to engage in any kind of conversation. True. It's you like, don't know. Why would you? But if you're around acquaintances... Especially if your acquaintances are friends with each other. So, okay, I'm tracking. It's like, I want to be here, but that means I need to shoehorn into some sort of small talk conversation with someone that, like, I know who you are, but I know basically nothing about you. So, I don't know what to where to begin with the small talk. But also, you're already talking with a friend of yours. And so, it's Mm, like, so. This is part of the reason why, like, I tend to leave church, like, right after it ends. I just kind of, like, look around. I see who's talking with whom. And it's like, all right, I'd just rather get out of here because I don't want to do this. That's, like, a lifelong thing where it would be like that at crew, back in college, high school, middle school, all that stuff. It's like you're not really – you're around the same people for years. So it's like you kind of just – no, but And then also – but it's like you're in school, so you're not really supposed to be yucking it up in the middle of a class. No, but if you are, you at least have the baseline of, we're both in this class together. Yeah. Let's talk about this class. Or you, I think you're generally aware of like what your peers are up to in that particular phase mm-hmm. of life. They'll wear their athletic uniform to school. They'll, yeah, you know, you're gen- I think I was at least generally aware of like what people were into. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it wasn't that bad back then because the, there just weren't a lot of situations where you're kind of like on your own and obligated to engage in some way. Well, do do you feel obligated to engage in certain environments? Sometimes. Well, it's like, what, what am I going to do? Stand there? I mean, I guess. 
But I don't know. I just I guess there's an art to small talk. I've not mastered it at all. No, and that 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 is fine. Like I I think a lot of people have similar thoughts. Like I don't think there's a right or a wrong to it. It's more just of a is there something underneath that? Like where do you feel the tension that makes you want to escape that situation? I guess is it like you don't want them to know you as much? You don't feel like they've earned the i you know have they not earned the access to you? Or do you just not want to go through the slightly awkward process of finding whatever common ground might be there? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, part of it is, all right, so like after church, for example, it, it's almost like immediately, like once we leave and we're in the angel wing, people are already congregating with their own groups. And so then like I come out and I'm just like looking around. What? So there's the cluster of people you know and you feel like you don't need to go talk with them right after. Maybe it's like a couple of friends of mine are in a group with people I don't really care that much about. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to go over there because I don't want to talk to people that I don't really know, uh, even if my friends are there. But then there's also a desire of like, man, I wish someone would like come up to me and be like, hey, what's going on? But it's like, oh, that doesn't happen. So I'll just I'll just leave. But does that not happen because you leave? Or do you, do you wait long enough to see if that would happen? Both? Or, or, or was it one way before where you would wait and it didn't happen, so then you've now adopted this pattern of just like, well, I know that's not going to happen based on past experience, so I'm just going to dip. It could be that. I haven't like really thought it through that much. but Well, hey, here we are. <laughs> We're in the space. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting because, I mean, A, it's on topic. Like It does have some level of social anxiety to it and b it's like i i I do feel like there are deeper reasons why we feel anxious in certain situations and honestly like i i can level with you i used to feel very i was super socially awkward for a long time not to say that you are but like Mm -hmm. even more so than that like i just like in high school like i just didn't know how to like make friends again i was a private school kid that went to public school like so i was like k through eight all in one space with the same people that I've known like literally my whole life and then I entered a new space where I'm like okay you have to make new friends literally made no friends my freshman trench coat <laughs> yeah trench coat Jeff you've yeah. heard about the legend yes you know practically the Bigfoot of <laughs> of Boone High circa 2008 but it really was that like I just I'm like I don't even know I don't even know how to make friends like I don't know how to discover common interests I didn't have what I perceived to be common interests with people with, you know, which is funny because it's like the people I probably had the most interest, you know, similar interests with were the same people that were feeling outcast themselves, and so none of us we never we never had a place to come together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just it's ironic that we're all just like scattered. There was no like the closest thing I found to that was like the computer lab because I'm like I'm a geek. Everyone in here that's on their lunch is a geek because why are we spending our lunch in the freaking computer yeah, yeah. lab? So there was like some camaraderie found there, but none of them became like my close friends. So it is interesting. Yeah, but I, that's how like s- junior and senior year of high school was for me. Like at, during lunch, it was the people I hung out with were just kind of like we didn't have all that much in common outside of just not having much in common with other people. So that's all I got. Yeah, it's a long term. I do think part of it is that social anxiety I felt in high school. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if on this podcast we've talked about like just the existential dread. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we touched on that. I think there is. I 
when I am focused on big questions like that, which honestly, even like mid to late high school, I probably started like down that path of just trying to like wrestle with what does it mean to be alive or human or to exist and Mm -hmm. which I don't feign to be like super philosophical but I think at some level I I just I imagine that everyone has to think about this at some point yeah and honestly some people are probably maybe super much or like some people are maybe more easily pleased with simpler answers to those questions and I think there are times that I'm content enough to settle for simpler answers. But like when I get too in my head about it, like, okay, so why is the Ukraine causing me so much anxiety? I'm like, okay, because it's a conflict. And in yeah. that conflict, people are dying. And I'm like, what if that's like it for them? You know, like this is what drives a yeah. lot of my like, you know, uh, and honestly, some of this is probably religious induced of like wrestling with a faith that believes in the afterlife Mm -hmm. and then wrestling with my own doubt about like, what if I have it wrong? Like, what if, you know, X, Y, or Z happens tomorrow, I'm gone and that's it. Like game over. There is no, there is no (laughs) anything (laughs) or just, you know, I think the, you know, just the idea of there being someone on the other side of the world with their finger on a nuclear button. And it's like, okay, what does that mean for anyone that could be affected by that? It's just baffling to me because I'm like, yeah, I just get stuck in this idea of like, you know, I hear about a car accident and I'm like, is that, what if that was me, you know? And it doesn't happen often. Like it's not consistent. It's just, I definitely do get into modes where I'm like, that's what drives me. Like I can't be alone with my thoughts. Like that's what gets me like into social media mm-hmm. or just watching Netflix or playing video games or like kind of escaping into something else is like the scariness of like, this is your life. This is all there is. After this, there's nothing. Good luck. And then I'm so unsatisfied with what I do with my time, I think is really what drives me up the wall and become super anxious is like, okay, if that is true, why am I wasting so much of my time right now doing dumb stuff? Like, why do I work at the job that I'm working at? Why do I waste time just watching shows that honestly are only okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, and, and I realize it's just I'm seeking distraction from the idea that, okay, if this is the only shot you've got, you're wasting it. It's that like feeling of like watching an hourglass slowly drift away. And almost that is sadder than if you were to be one of those people fighting valiantly in the Ukraine. Where I'm like, at least they're fighting and living a purposeful life in these moments doing something for something greater than themselves because otherwise here's middle-class America, Jeff. And it's like, what the frick am I doing? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, when, when the hourglass stops, it's like, yeah, he, uh, he lived a life and, uh, he worked and he died <laughs> and that's it. So yeah. uh, not to get super morbid, but I'm like, I think that is where a lot of my anxiety kind of stems from is, is that void existence dread. I had a conversation with a couple of people I won't name recently but it was like on the topic of guns and and we were discussing like all right well do you have a gun they're like no why not and then like one of them just didn't really have an answer to it and then the other was just like i just really don't want one they kind of freak me out understandable i suppose if you've never used one before and it's like all you hear the only news on guns is when someone kills someone in a criminal way but, well, if someone breaks in your house, 
what if a country invades and you don't know how to use a gun? You don't have a gun. You don't know how to use a gun. Not likely in Florida, but we can't rule it out. <laughs> yeah. But like, what if that happens? And then, and then they're like, well, I don't know. It's like, what? You're just okay with being totally unprepared for something that probably won't happen. But what if it does? What if you're just unlucky enough that someone just picks your house that night and comes in and like threatens you and your family? And it's like, are you, in that moment, are you still going to be like... What movie is that? That's a movie. The Strangers? Is that when they just are like, at the end of the movie, they're like, why are you doing this? And it's like, because you're home. Sorry, Probably. totally off topic. I've actually never seen The Strangers. I think it was them. That's um, but I, sorry, it would make sorry. sense. It, that just totally reminded me of that because I'm like, yeah, if they had a gun, <laughs> this would have been home. over immediately. Yeah, I saw this meme today, and it was like, all right, Russia invades California, but how are they going to do that with all the gun-free zones? <laughs> yeah, and it's like we live in this like such a ridiculous. Like, the United States is ridiculous with. The, the problems, In some of the best ways. With the, the, the quote-unquote problems that we somehow concoct of, of like, oh, yeah, we deem this to be a, an issue over here. Where it's like, that literally, first of all, isn't actually an issue here. but And secondly, this thing you think is an issue doesn't even happen anywhere else. It's like, or we're so concerned with gender and changing societies to fit in a few people. And it's like that's our, our biggest problem, and we're and we're trying to like make the the military woke, and it's like, like the rest of the world is like, are they kidding us right now? That's like that's what they're focused on. Do you like Ukraine is literally being invaded, and I bet it's never once crossed their mind like, yeah, but I wish, sure we're we're being invaded right now, and we know how to defend this, but also I wish we had diversity training. It's like so. It's insane. Well, that might also just be a uh, a hierarchy of needs slash urgency on their part. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, I think generally the United States and the West, the reason that you know the things that are our issues, so to speak, is because we've honestly been in such a cushy position for so long. Yeah, like I th- I do I think you know, and, and this probably takes a theological bent. Man is sinful. We want to feel comfortable with our sin. So we're going to basically attempt to make that our reality in mass or, or not. And I think so many of those issues has kind of turned into a, well, it's just like, let me have my way. And no one insists on anything rigid or permanent or superseding. Like, don't say that there's some universal truth out there and everyone's fine. And that's basically what they're toting. And, you know, I think the jury's still out of, like, how harmful is that? How not harmful is it? I, I think we're, like, way too early in that sociological <laughs> experiment to even tell. But it is interesting where I think it's we've been comfortable for so long. That's why that's what's on our mind, not, oh, could we be invaded? It's like we've got two big oceans. Like, Canada? Maybe? Well, evil Canada. Alaska is like 50 miles from Russia. I guess, but that's what the Alaskans have to deal with. I mean, that's so <laughs> far Alaska. away from us. They can't take Ukraine. They're not taking Alaska. But I mean, but but this is also the thing. Like, I ha- I am not concerned whatsoever of like okay, so Russia's 
You know, Russia's GDP is effectively the size of Florida's. Yeah, it's it's not much. They are not a they're not a concern of like. It's they, like, what, they, they it's like even, what a couple hundred billion a year. Yeah, but the, it, it's so not a concern to me that like, frankly, anyone would invade the United States because of, like, look at NATO. There's thirty countries in there, and the United States has more significantly more aircraft than the other twenty nine <laughs> members of NATO combined. It's like it's there, there's no shot. Uh, world's largest air force the united states world's second largest air force the united states navy (laughs) yeah but that's the thing it's like so i don't i don't get anxiety over a potential like invasion because of just how how well the united states has focused on building up its military over the years to be in a spot that like we we just don't need to worry about that but it but it causes me anxiety to hear people be like yeah i don't need to know how to use a gun i don't like i'm more concerned about the united states being quote unquote invaded from within itself of just like a a grad i think jordan peterson talks about a gradual encroachment where it's like i move up it's like i get closer and closer to you i take a few steps and then you you pull back and you're like well that's too much and so i'm like okay cool and i get back but then you kind of like stay where you're at and i keep encroaching and it's just like over over the years as that happens it's it's a, you, you you look and you're like well how did i get here it's just like what well, was i just gradually encroached on you to the point until you weren't comfortable with it and i backed off for a little bit and i just kept going that's what it feels like is happening in the united states with covid it started with two weeks to slow the spread and two years later and we're still it's still Come, coming down from the yeah but but all the while and, and now and yeah and then it's coming out of like the CDC is withholding data about the effectiveness of the virus or not the virus of the, the vaccine because they don't want people to freak out of if it's like not as effective as they thought. It's like you're obligated to tell people this, though. That opens a big question. Though. Are they obligated? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It's just like this a gradual encroachment on rights of like, all right, it's two weeks of slow spread. That's it. It's fine. We can just do that. It's like, OK, yeah, because we don't know what this is. It. it it's allegedly killing a bunch of old people almost instantly. And it's like, all right, well, for the sake of, like, I don't want to get it to then pass it on to grandma and all that stuff. So, like, yeah, that makes sense. It's two weeks because we don't want to overwhelm the hospital systems and all that stuff. And, right. But then it's just like, and then that's just been extrapolated two years later to just. Oh, no, yeah, now there's, like, legitimately <laughs> mostly online. That's the thing, though. And, and this is where I almost push back a little bit. We spend a lot of our times on social media and the internet where there is a, I feel, this is my perspective, there's a super vocal minority on a lot of issues. Of course. And of course, there's always been, not always, but in the last 50 years, always been this idea of the si- more silent majority in America where yeah. I'm like, most people I talk to in my day-to-day life do not hold anything close to the views that are being thrown out there on the internet consistently. So I'm like overexposed to it and quite frankly kind of triggered by it on the internet. But I'm like, okay, the less I engage with that and the more that I just live my life normally, Mm -hmm. even in a very, like relatively, Orlando is a pretty diverse city. Like it's pretty metropolitan in the sense, or cosmopolitan in the sense of like how many different, you know, ethnicities and you know, walks of life and, you know, different people with different views are, I'm like, 
this stuff never comes up <laughs> in my yeah. day to day. And so I almost think like to me where I'm heading with this is like how it relates back to my anxiety is, is, is this really something that's taking over America or is it something that's really just taking over the airwaves in America? Cause we have to have something to talk about. Cause I'm like, I always see it on legacy media, social media. And because it's like, what it's incendiary. Clearly there are people who agree and there are people who disagree and no one's comfortable not having an opinion anymore, mm. which I think honestly is a huge virtue. If you can be honest enough with yourself to say, you know what? I actually don't know enough about any of this yeah. <laughs> to harbor an actual view. Like I've not done my homework to the point where I actually understand both sides of this enough to pick a side. Like no one does that. So we all just kind of like, it's like, okay, I'm picking my side in this culture war and I'm sticking to it. And like, that's all we see when we're like glued to our devices and screens of, of anything. Like you, you mentioned Ben Shapiro. I'm like, I like Ben. He's a great guy, but he knows where he makes his money. <laughs> and that is, yeah. and that is picking apart liberal arguments for his conservative fans. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. Like, I, I do think there is like a, for me, if I'm overexposed to that, it causes me that similar anxiety of like, okay, is America being taken over? I'm like, I take a breath, take a walk around my neighborhood, go to my grocery store, look around. And I'm like, okay, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but, but this, this is also what I'm getting at is like, is it, it so slow and gradual that's that it. you don't care? You wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it. it. It wouldn't like immediately be like, whoa, whoa, that looks totally different. It's just, it's you wake up 20 years from now and then you're like, what happened? Yeah. And, but, and this is the thing it's like with Biden, he's like, I'm going to choose a black woman for the Supreme court. I'm going to nominate a black woman. It's like, okay, well, how about someone who's qualified and like upholds the constitution and all that stuff. And it's like, and if the most qualified person you can find happens to be a black woman, then sure. But it's like, that's, that's how he picked Kamala Harris as his vice president. He's like, I'm going to pick a black woman. It's like, who, why? I feel like the way to get rid of racism, quote unquote, get rid of it, is just like, can we just stop talking about race and like bringing it up and things like this, where it's like, well, I'm going to pick a black woman. It's like, it's the Supreme Court and you're concerned. It's the most important legal position you can hold in the entire country. And, and like the first thing you're looking for is their gender and their race. It's like, I don't care who it is. It's like, well, easy for you to say is you're a white guy. It's like, all right. So I just can't, I can't have an opinion on, on this kind of thing. But this is it. This is like the gradualness of the media just constantly going full bore with like any kind of race story they can find that, that fits the narrative that they're pushing of like white people being bad and white guilt and all this stuff. And it's just like, all right, well, if you're, you're pushing that, these kinds of stories out there, the younger generation starts to hear this and then they just start to believe in all this stuff. And it's like, that's how you rework society is like, it's just over years. And then the young generation grows up, they start believing this, they teach that to their kids that like white people are bad. And it's just like, all right, that's just now the truth. It's like you repeat the lie over Goebbels said that he's like, you just repeat a lie, a lie so big, just you keep repeating it over and over again. It just becomes the truth because like people just start to believe it. It's like, well, it's being said so much. I surely, I believe it. It must be true. And it's like, well, no, it actually isn't. But people have just kind of like caved to it. So 
that's where the anxiety comes in. It's, it's, I think of like, all right, well, 20 years down the road when I'm 50 years old and like I have kids at that point, God willing, it's like, what does society look like for them? What society are they growing up in? And that's, this is why I think it's important. I have some Christian friends who kind of like don't want to have kids because of the way it looks like society is heading. And it's like, well, you almost have an obligation as believers who like know truth to produce more believers who know truth and are able to like counter what society is dictating is is a lower t truth. So that 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 anxiety, it's more of like a down the road thing, like where is this headed kind of anxiety. It's a gradual process is what's what I'm really getting at. So, were you done answering that question? I don't even know. It just kind of got to where we were. This is now actually a political podcast. Welcome to the... The, <laughs> the State of the Union is tonight. The, and, the and, sassy boys. And, I, <laughs> and we want to talk about anxiety yeah, a little bit here about the State of the Union. Well, no, because, I mean, I think it plays. It is something that informs our emotions. Clearly, you are anxious about societal direction. And not to say that... That doesn't, I don't think that bothers me as much because I frame it in a way of, A, the church was born in a hostile environment. Yes. It, it grew in a hostile environment. It thrived in a hostile environment uh, and continues to do so to this day. So I'm like, if it comes down to my personal beliefs are going to be persecuted in the future in America as they are around the world in so many places and you know more so now in western europe as well has kind of you know had the reign of christendom for a thousand years and now it's kind of you know okay we're moving on we're done with that um which you know frankly there's some good reasons they distrust institutional power that the church held in europe um for a long long time and yeah i'm like i to me that that just drives home the value of principles in the sense of like Okay, what's important enough to me that I'm not going to budge on this? Even if it causes persecution or suffering for me, I should figure that out now while I have the luxury of exploring it and deciding what the lines in the sands are for me and informing that as much by scripture as I know how to and in the guidance of God's spirit discerning, you know, like what does it look like to live out this faith in this environment? And should that environment and landscape change, like the church, we, we adapt with it. I mean, I think so many Christian churches, especially in the Reformed tradition right now, are talking about like, yeah, what does it look like to kind of be an exilic church again? Because that's kind of more or less the default mode of you know living a Christian life is you are very different from the world around you. And that's always been true. And I even look at scripture and I'm like, yeah, Paul was writing to these Corinthians and being like, hey, there's a lot of stuff you all have to stop doing because you're living your lives in yeah. some pretty wild ways. So I find some encouragement looking back, not only on scripture, but also like different historical contexts to be like, okay, like the flavor may be different in the sense of society is either heading a certain way or is seeming to espouse different values. And clearly it has, you know, all those causes have their own cultural champions. But I'm like, Christianity can still live, thrive, and survive on the side, not not just survive, but thrive on the side as a countercultural institution. In the sense of, you know, if we're if we're doing what Jesus did, it the amount of opposition raised against it 
is only going to fan the flame of the church, not extinguish it, is, is historically, I think, what we've seen. So not that I say, like, I welcome the challenge, but, like, similar to how you said it, like, it's almost like an invasion from within. It's like, maybe that is kind of how it plays out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would not be the, we wouldn't be the first believers to be in that situation. And certainly it wouldn't be the only time that mankind has gone through some, through some difficult growing pains going, you know, forward and then back, you know, uh, a lot of these things do feel pretty sick, cyclical, cyclical, and circular, secular, secular, wasn't sure. Yeah. But cyclical in that sense. So I don't like that doesn't cause me as much anxiety as, as, as some of the other things do. But I can respect where you're coming from in the sense of like, I, I get why that would be concerning, especially if you're, you know, because my wife and I talk about that and about like potential children and it's like, yeah, because we were talking about what's the thing in Florida right now. We're passing a bill about limiting educational topics and was it K through three classrooms? Don't say gay, that one. That's what they're calling it. I don't think that's what it's actually called. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, think I'm signing. Yeah. It's crazy though, but like, because that's a narrative. That's what we're calling that bill. That's not what it's called at all. Yeah. But that's how everyone knows it. And it's like, okay, I'm not necessarily like against having that conversation, but it's like, how do we have the conversation in context with a, like, we're more conservative in the sense of like, sexuality is probably more or less should be addressed by like your parents who are raising you, not the educational system. But at the same time, I also understand that kids that grow up and, you know, struggle to figure out what their sexual identity is can be in abusive households that don't accept them even opening that conversation and so there's so much complexity in those kinds of things it's hard to don't get me wrong i'm fully against that conversation in k through three i'm like if you're learning colors and letters and numbers i don't think trying to discern your sexual identity is in anywhere near the realm of the undeveloped frontal cortex of a third grader but there are people out there that will make that argument that sure why not i'm like well, maybe because, like, let's see what that impact, like, let's let's at least think about what the impact of that could be mm-hmm. before we go fully, you know, gung-ho in one direction that we have no idea what that direction holds. Part of it is you don't, like, you don't actually know what your child's teacher believes about sex, for example. So they're just teaching them things, and you're like, well, I trust them because they're, they're, teacher so they're responsible whatever it's like well yeah but they could be instilling values in your kids that aren't either just aren't true or aren't values that that you want to instill in your kids and it's causing confusion confusion in your kids and they don't know what to think but something that actually like really bothers me is the idea that like when when things like the ukraine happen and there's invasion and and you'll hear christians say like God is in control and all this stuff and God is in control with COVID. It's like, yeah, but also that doesn't mean that it's okay to just for Christians to just be complacent and silent about things that like it is, it is incumbent on believers to proclaim truth in all instances of it because Satan is the father of lies and we need to cast out lies when we see them and say like, Hey, that's, that's not true. There's a lot of Christians nowadays, especially in like the younger generation of Christians that are just afraid of speaking truth 
and are afraid of potentially offending someone. Oh, I don't want to say, like, I don't really want to get involved in that. It's like, it's not worth it. It's like, it is worth the effort because it is the truth. And that this is like, I mean, I'm not quiet on social media, like with the stuff that I post, but that's because I think in large part, the media keeps spewing lies about things. So it's, so when, when I see those lies, I'm the, I, I feel like it's incumbent on me as a believer who is on the side of truth to post the truth. And sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> sometimes I, I get fooled by like a fake news story or whatever. But I do think there's a there's an epidemic of complacency among Christians nowadays that there's there's too timid and, and don't want to potentially lose friends over speaking the truth. And it's like I see my follower numbers decrease all the time on on Instagram with some of the stuff that I post that like frankly isn't like shouldn't be controversial in my opinion it's just like well this is just true and like I have a separate app that that tells me who has unfollowed me ooh I didn't know they made that of course yeah. they did it, yeah would and it's funny because it's like everyone wants to know yeah so you'll see like oh this person that I went to like high school with unfollowed me that like I haven't talked to in 15 years so it's like oh okay I don't care but then it's like all right well, there's someone this person who is like literally in my life nowadays is has unfollowed me because of this and it's just strange to be like but you're also a believer why are you not why are you not championing championing these causes too it's just it seems like it's a vocal minority of believers who are willing to call out truth like in political realms too, because that can be like the hottest button issue, and it's, people don't want to engage in it. But it's like, all right, well, if society is being reworked because people are because believers are too complacent and don't want to call it out, it's like and you look back on it, it's like, well, God's in control. It's like, yeah, but like you didn't put in any effort to stop this from happening. Yeah, should've. no, I, I definitely agree with the the agency part of it. Like, I do, I get frustrated when I see. I am so not against praying for Ukraine. I'm sure yeah. prayer has done a heck of a lot for the situation in Ukraine. Like, I hope it has. I have to fight my inner desire to be cynical because I'm just like, okay, A, are you really praying? And B, is this just virtue signaling? Which yeah, that, that, is, that is kind of become the currency of our generation and the generation below, which I find frustrating because... Even those that I just, I know so many people, I don't even want to, would never call anyone out, but I'm like, you post so much about certain things, like, but it is so not part of your life. Yeah. You're just putting it out there so that if someone happened to look at your social media, it's like, and then of course the excuses are, well, I'm just raising awareness. And I'm like, okay, but if people need to be aware of it, then clearly it's something that needs to be acted upon. Like, what are you actually doing? Like, cause I would rather be silent than be a hypocrite. Yep. That is kind of where I come in on the social media front. Cause my arguments are, I don't think anything I post on social media is going to spur meaningful discussion, nor do Mm -hmm. I think it's going to change anyone's mind in the instant. I think it's just too limited of a platform in a certain sense. Uh, At least the ones that I'm like actually on. Now, yeah. if I made like a TikTok like account and like tried to more fully explain views on certain things, I actually see people, you know, and that's what's my frustration is there's like <laughs> with TikTok, I think 
there's some great accounts that talk about some great stuff on there, but the comment section is like, you can only put like a sentence or two. So it's not like a great place to have like a discussion, Yeah. but it is interesting to watch like two experts, like stitch back and forth against each other on like certain issues and actually learn some stuff from that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like generally speaking, like I just don't think my Facebook post is going to be the one that people go, Oh yeah. Well, he just made a great point. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's like self-doubt or if I just am like, I don't want to put my own, you know, thoughts out there for people to nitpick, you know? My thought on that is like, yeah, but at least I tried. Like if, if I view this as like, as like, this is true and there's being, there are a lot of lies being spread by the masses about this topic. And it's like, I don't care if I change anybody's mind or not, but I'm not going to be silent about it and then just like hope things get better. It's like, I'm going to put some effort to, so that maybe people do read it and maybe it does change their mind, but they never, but I never, I, I never know about it, but it's like, I don't know. Am I enlightening you at least to like, did you even know that this, this was happening? Yeah. Well, I, I, I do, I do think that's a, a positive spin to it. And I, you know, I think part of, part of my problem is like i'm not so involved with it like i don't even know how to do it well you know like i've been so out of the loop on actually being like a content creator like i was never a content creator but i feel like the bar has been raised so high for what it is to be a content creator like i'm like am i gonna am i gonna do this well not just am i gonna you know throw but that's why i'm like i'm glad we're doing this because i'm like i feel like we're trying to Mm -hmm. do something well we're not just half-assing it so i don't know i have different different opinions on social media as a whole but i do think it is important to have a voice and i think what that highlights to me is how little we talk about important stuff face-to-face anymore like in a lot of places like whether that's like at church or it's like i feel like we don't really have town hall meetings anymore it's like, when are you really engaging in tough topics with people face to face anymore? Like, I feel like I did a good amount of that in college, which was really cool. But since then it's like, okay, work, it's pretty much taboo. It's like, don't talk about anything controversial at work. Yeah. Don't talk about anything controversial at dinner. You don't want to ruin the mood. And I'm like, yeah, but I also don't want my life to be defined about talking about nothing of importance. And, and I think that's a, honestly, that's genuinely a frustration I have. I think is I, so often in my venues and forums where I'm like, what we're talking about is like maybe entertaining and we're having fun, but like I can go weeks at a time without a good conversation on any topic mm-hmm. of importance. And I think that is kind of scary. And that is kind of, I think the environment that you've highlighted is, is an issue is like, we can't, it's kind of like you either agree with this generally accepted narrative. If you don't agree with that, you're going to get canceled, shut out. Like, <laughs> Even if it's like a degree off, it's like if you don't agree a hundred percent with this, yeah. If you have any reservations about it, like they've ta- like I've just seen perfectly reasonable responses get absolutely just shredded <laughs> yeah. by 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 people that are kind of like hyper hyper connected to the narrative, and it and that is I think frightening because it's like it opens up the <laughs> question of like is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to go out there and say something if it's just going to get you absolutely shut down by society? And I would say, yes, it is worth it, but what battle am I going to pick? Yeah. We live in like, I feel like this was like a black mirror episode where it's like, you're just trying to constantly 
just earn like social credits of just like the things you have to say of like, all right, well, society agrees that these are good things. So let me post about that. Let me post, let me post the black square on Instagram, hashtag blackout Tuesday to, to show everybody that I care about black lives. Well, okay. I didn't post that. Does that mean I don't care about black lives or is it because I don't want to like participate in some kind of like just absolute nonsense trend that by the way, doesn't prove that I care about black lives. If, I did post it. It's just it's just to well, make you it know, seem like I'm a good person. Even I remember when that happened. And I'm like, I remember when people did that. And then there was the backlash of like, by white people participating in this, it's actually drawing attention away from actual... I'm like, well, what? That, I'm glad it, I yeah. didn't do it then. Because <laughs> clearly I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna post the black square right. But that is, that is the world we, we are dealing with right now. Yeah, you, you, can't, you, you can't do anything right. And and what's funny is, okay, I thought about this. So, like, last summer when, when like, the whole, uh, I guess it would have been two summers ago. Gosh, that's crazy. When, like, the BLM movement was, like, really gung-ho. And you saw, like, a lot of TikTokers change their avatars to just, like, something that just says, like, Black Lives Matter. Like, Charlie D'Amelio did that. And I was thinking, like, you can never change that back. How are you going to put like that now has to be your avatar forever. Otherwise, God only knows the backlash you're going to get. It's like, you don't care about black lives anymore. I'm sure she's changed it back since then, though. Do you have your phone on you? <laughs> I don't know. Blown away. I feel like I. Is she on TikTok? Yeah, she's like the biggest TikToker. All right. She changed it. Oh, it's a picture oh. of her as a baby. Is it her I, as a baby or does she have a kid? She definitely does not have a kid. I think she's like 17. <laughs> That but, doesn't mean. But no, I, 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 I thought about. I feel like I came across like one of her videos on my algorithm a couple months ago, and it was still, it still said Black Lives Matter. I'm like, you're stuck. Yeah, it's a ling- it's a linguistic trick. It's like, oh, you don't agree with the movement, so that means you don't think Black Lives Matter. It's like, all right, man. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Oh, Whatever gosh. you say, can't, I can't do anything right. So, on the topic of God being in control, yes, <laughs> he is the sovereignty of God. He is, he is, he is, he is. But I would. It is important that it's like okay, yes, but it doesn't. We're not called to complacency. I was gonna say God's sovereignty should be something that emboldens you, not tames you. There's actually not. There's not a lot in Scripture of like specific references to anxiety i'm sure it's like worked kind of differently throughout people back in the day just weren't anxious because they had so much free time (laughs) yeah but just the the specific word of like either anxious or anxiety doesn't show up a lot in scripture but where it does philippians 4 6 and 7 this is one that smitty who used to disciple me in college out smitty if you're listening we know you are he had me memorize this verse which I mean, I'm looking at the you paper. Can, you can just read it. It's I'm looking fine. at the paper right now, so it'd be one can only assume that I. I haven't memorized as well, but it's all, it's all, let's just read it. It's not a long verse. We're not maybe. trying to impress anybody here. Yeah. We're just trying to share some truth. Yeah. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This was my go-to pre-exam 
scripture. Amen. First Peter five, six and seven, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. John fourteen twenty seven, peace. I live with peace. I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Proverbs twelve twenty five. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word a good word makes him glad. And then Matthew six twenty five through thirty four. This one's long. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to that. And uh, this is definitely where, like, prosperity gospel, I feel like, comes from that whole, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's like focusing on, like, all right, I want all these things, so I will honor God. Quote unquote, honor yeah. God. Yeah. I'm going to do it to get stuff. It's like, God okay, that, what a be, bad, God what a bad way. to be rich. Maybe. <laughs> I've known rich Christians. I've known poor Christians. Yes. I predominantly know middle class Christians. Indeed. But that last line, sufficient for the day is its own trouble, is like, this isn't the Bible. That's like a Tolkien line. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think I think it's it's good to to keep that in mind. Like, you know, especially when it comes to anxiety, so much of it is projection of like, I'm so worried about what's coming, I'm losing sight of what's like happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm losing sight of the present moment because I have so many concerns about the future, or or something outside of my locus of control. And it's just like, okay, like that friendship feels like it's on the fritz right now. I've reached out to them. I'm just waiting to hear back. And then you're just in that waiting and it's like, okay, but like, does my life stop? Because I'm like, do I surrender my life and the peace that I feel like I should have to that situation? It's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's right to be concerned, but to keep those concerns like in a, in a healthy space, not in a space where I value something outside of myself so much that if it doesn't go right, I feel like my life is threatened. Mm. so I think that idea of you know each day has a trouble that's sufficient for itself is so true and then I think you know God's grace is sufficient as well you know we're not going to live each day perfectly but if we do it being mindful present and listening to the spirit you can't can't really go that far wrong yeah that's all I got I'm Jeff I'm Connor see you next time (laughs) bye